Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Asban, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our daft today, Masachat Yuma, daft ayin, page 70. We have about 18 days until our siyum. Um, want to encourage everybody to please sign up and to register. Uh, we look forward to completing this Masachat with you, so please look for the registration form. Uh, the Gemara begins on this daft with a discussion about the process of how the Kohen Gadol read from the Torah. And if you remember from the Mishnah, he reads Ahremot um, and then reads, uh, you know, another section. And then there's a section in Bamidbar. Um, so he reads two sections from Baigra, and then he's going to read a section from Bamidbar. Um, and the Gemara teaches us here, comments on a couple of things from the Mishnah there that I thought were, were interesting. So the first piece that the Gemara talks about is the section from the Mishnah of the Golel Sefer Torah. Right, that the Kohen Gadol uh, sort of takes the Sefer Torah and he and he, he holds on to it and he says, you know, basically to everybody, like, there's more here in the Torah than just the piece that I read. And so the question is, why does he say that? Right, Why does he say this? So that nobody should cast aspersions on the Torah scroll. And what do they mean by that? Because the section that he reads from Bamidbar. Um, he actually read by heart. Um, he doesn't actually uh, read it from inside the Torah scroll itself. And so it's sort of a way of him saying, like, I didn't make up this piece that I'm reading by heart. This actually exists, and there's actually a lot more that I could have read for you today. Then the Gemara goes on, right? Uvesor, you know, uvesor, right? So this part of On the 10th, which he read by heart, right, which was in, Chumash uh, Pikudim. So Pikudim is another name for numbers. Um, Sefer Bamidbar, which is, you know, the fourth Sefer of, of Tanakh, um, really, remember, begins with counting. And so therefore, sometimes it's referred to as Pikudim. Um, and so it was said that he said this by heart. So the question is, am I? Why does he read it by heart? Let them just roll out the scroll and he'll read it from the text. I'm a Rav Huna, but reads Rav Yeshua, I'm a Rav Sheshas. Right. And so they explain, and this some of this ties into the discussion that was on the bottom of the previous stuff about skipping around and not reading things that are not next to each other. Um, but here they bring up this issue that they weren't gonna roll the Torah out to Bab Midbar because it was not respectful to the community. In other words, it's not appropriate to make the community sort of have to wait till they get to Sefer Bamidbar's from Bayikra. That would take quite a long time. And we have this concept of Kavarat Sibor, like we just shouldn't do it. And therefore, he's just going to read from the Torah itself. Um, and then the Gemara goes on to say, Okay, so just bring him a second Sefer Torah and read, because we know that that does happen. Rav Huna Bar Yehuda Amar. So Rav Huna says, Mishum Pigamosha Rishon. So he said, well, you know what the problem is? People may think that there was something wrong with the first Torah, and that's why you needed to bring a second Torah. Reish Lakish says that if you brought it, that it would be due to an unnecessary blessing. Meaning what? That if you bring out the second scroll, right, you the the Kohen Gadol would sort of have to repeat the Berchadat Torah again, and he didn't really need to do that because he could have just read it by heart. And then Finally, goes on, um, gamma. So then the Gemara wants to question Rav Hunabar Yehuda's answer, and he says, 
are we really concerned that people are going to think that there was like a flaw in the Torah itself? So this is the famous Shabbos Hanukkah, right? That's also Rosh Chodesh that we know we read from three Torahs. So he's describing this situation. He says, Right? And you're going to bring three Torahs. One that is going to be with the topic of the day, meaning the weekly Parsha. One that you'll read the to- what you read on Rosh Chodesh. One that you're going to read on Hanukkah. So the point is there, it seems, it's fine to bring out three Torahs. So the Gemara concludes, Tlata Gavre Vitzlata. When there are three men, you can read from three skulls. Vitzlata Sifri, Lake of the Gamma. There's no concern that there is a flaw because everyone assumes each individual is sort of reading from his own scroll, right? Chad Gava Batre Sifri. But here, when we have one person who's going to read, meaning only the Kohen Gadol is going to read, even from two Sefers, Ika Pagama, it looks like there was something wrong with the Sefer Torah. What was interesting to me about this section is there seems to be a lot of considerations about sort of public perception and public kavod, and that we end up doing certain things because it just doesn't look so nice to do it otherwise, right? So we allow the Kohen Gadol to read something by heart because it's not so nice for the, uh, you know, for, for people to have to wait in shul for the Torah to get rolled. You know, we don't bring out two Sefer Torahs. doesn't look so nice to the Sefer Torah itself. And I think you just sort of see, like, these are not things that are, like, direct mitzvot. There's no midrash halacha. But it's interesting to see just the sensitivity there is to sort of what do things look like in public? How do they play out publicly? Are they nice for the Tzibar? Are they nice for the Kohen Gadol? Are they nice for the Sefer Torah? I don't know that I'm articulating this quite well. But just sort of these public considerations, and that this really was a sensitivity that Chazal had when setting things up. Well, I find it shocking, actually, that there was any permissibility to let him read Baal Peh, right? The idea that you that he could read it by heart, meaning there's there's a very strong injunction, kind of against that. That the idea is that if you are if you are reading from the Torah then you must be reading from the Torah. And we'll come to this, I think, in Megillah, Masacha Megillah, when we get there, right? But it's the kind of thing that even nowadays, when we're talking to, when you teach bar mitzvah boys who learn their parashio off by heart, right? Because they do learn it so well, right? But on the other hand, they're not ever supposed to read by heart when it comes to the day. They're supposed to always read the text. And every so often you find a bar mitzvah boy who finds a, a scribal error that has crept in because they are in fact reading the text so carefully because they know it so well. I mean, at least I've been in shul when that has happened. So I feel like on the one hand, there's such this great concern, as you say, for the needs of the tzibor, of the congregation that's standing there, that it would be you know inappropriate or, or too much burden on them to wait to roll through to get to bar midbar. And on the other hand, the solution here is kind of shocking. Like, okay, so he'll just say it off by heart. Since when do we ever allow that? Which goes to show just how important this concern is for the tzibors. And also we should note, we're talking about, you know, the middle end of Vayikra to the middle of Bamidbar. We're not talking about Bereshit to Devarim, right? The the amount of time that it would take to roll here is not that long. And yet, right, there is great concern paid to, to any kind of, dilly-dallying that it might require for the Tzibor, for the congregation standing there. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It is pretty shocking that he could read it by heart. I mean, especially when you think about that some of the considerations of what the Kohen Gadzo could do or not do was sort of like that we didn't want to make sure he wasn't a Tzaduki. And it's interesting 
that there was no concern that the Klein Godzilla could have read something wrong or inserted a word. Like, nice. I, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking considering that they were worried about things not going right in other places. Yep, but again, I think this shows, as you say, the the extreme consideration to the to the rest of the people there. Also, it's at the end of the day, it's been a long M. Kipper. You know, I the context here, I think I'm. I can't be sure, but it seems to be relevant. Um, okay, I am going to go on to the Mishnah that is on our daf. The Mishnah that is on our daf takes us to the end of Yom Kippur, right? The same chronological setup that we've had all Masachet. Um, finally, we come to the end of the day, but not not quite yet, right? We're still talking about, it opens with talking about the Kohen reading the Torah. You'll recall, Yordana, this is a Mishnah that you spoke about, um, where he could wear whichever garments he wants to wear. And there's a question, does it even have to be the big day kahuna? Could he just wear his own clothes, right? So the Mishnah plays out what would happen if he would read the Torah in the white garments, right? these holy garments. So if he reads the Torah with his, wearing the white garments, then he washes and sanctifies his hands and his feet the same way that he did right every other time before he would take off the big day kahuna. Then he takes off these linen garments. He goes down to the mikvah. He tovels, he dunks. He then comes up. He dries himself. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that they note that he dries himself, right? That you know, he's not expected to air dry here. And then they bring him the, the golden garments, big days I have. Those are the fancy ones of the Kohen Gadol. He dresses in that. And then again, he sanctifies his hands and his feet. So the mission is, right? So, so all of this is talking, I'm sorry, he's talking about, we're talking about the Kriya when he's read both the, both the business in Achrimot. And then also the story in Bamidbar. Okay. And then he goes on after all this Torah reading and after all this clothing changing. He comes out, he offers the ayil, his own ayil, sorry, and then the ayil of the people. And then he offers seven unblemished lambs that are a year old. That's Rabbi Lezer's opinion. And Rabbi Kiva Omer, Im Tamin Shal Shachar Hayu Krevin Upar Ola Vseira Anase Bachutz Hayu Krevin Im Tamin Shal Ben Arbaim. So Rabbi Kiva says, No, those Krabanotes, the Isle and the other Isle and the seven lambs, are not sacrificed at this point. Rather, they were sacrificed long ago with, with, the, with the morning sacrifice and or with the bull of the Yom Kippur offering and the goats, right? Meaning, all day long, and, the, and which is the tummy of the the afternoon, evening, afternoon, right? They were they are not according to Rabbi Kiva. It's not a separate time of carbonot. They were brought earlier on. In any case, the Mishnah continues. He sanctifies his hands and his feet. He removes the golden garments. The big days I have. The Again, he goes down to the mikveh. He dunks. He comes out. He dries himself. And then big day lavan Again, they bring him the white garments. He dresses in them. He sanctifies his hands and his feet, meaning he washes them. Right. He goes to the back into the kodesh kodashim. 
he takes out the spoon and the pan that he had brought in there earlier, which he did not bring out at the time, because I guess his hands are full when he comes out the first time. He again, he goes, he sanctifies his hands and his feet, he takes off the white garments, he goes down to the mikveh, he dunks, he comes back up, he dries himself, himself with a towel, and then they bring him the golden garments again, the big day he big Again, the same procedure. And then, he goes in wearing the big day zahav, wearing the, the, the big day kuhuna. He goes in to burn the incense of the afternoon. And he's going to clear out the ashes from the candles, from the lamps of the menorah. And again, he sanctifies his hands and his feet, and he goes down, and he dunks, and he comes out, and he he comes up, and he dries himself, and then now we come to the end of the day. Meaning, so he's whatever he brought these afternoon sacrifices, they have been or these extra sorry these extra Yom Kippur sacrifices, they have been brought, even if it's presumably with the afternoon sacrifices, maybe. It's hard to say because it's a machlok at Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Akiva. And then he's done his ketoret and he's done his um, preparation of the menorah for the evening, right? For re for resetting up the candles. And then lo big day atmo. Then they bring him his own clothing, vilavash, and he dresses adbeto. And then they accompany him to his house. And he makes a, a feast, he makes a festival for his family, I guess, for his loved ones, and maybe anybody else who's going to join in, or his friends anyway. When he emerges, Bishalom, right? He's come out fine from the from the Kodesh Kodeshim. So, and that's this is the end of the day, right? He's come home safely. He's able to break his fast with rejoicing and his family. And and it's kind of this kind uh, I don't know, I found it to be a very gentle ending to this day. Um, it's it's without fanfare. It's another clothing change. and But this time he goes home. And they uh, accompany him. I like how you characterize that, right? Like after all the detail, everything that we've been through, over 70 dapping basically. It's just like at the end, he changes his clothes, he goes home, he has a suit. <laughs> it's, there's something beautifully simple about it. As long as he made it through, right? We know about how many Kohanim Gedolim did not. Right, exactly. And some did not get to go home. Right. So so that's the thing. I mean, listen, we have more to this Masachet. We're not done yet. And I'm curious now to see exactly which twists and turns we're going to go, what paths we're going to recover, um, retread, I guess. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Download Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.